Welcome to the crux of investing in finance, everybody. My name is Jay, and thank you for joining me. I just want to thank each and every one of you for listening. It means a lot to me. If you haven't already, please follow our Instagram at Investonomics Education and our Facebook page at Investonomics. So please sit back, relax, and I hope you can learn something new. Before we dive in today, I just want to say that this is a primarily video-based show. So for to get the full experience, you should go to Investonomics YouTube channel, like and subscribe to the channel, and you can follow the video there for a nice visual representation of what I'm going to be talking about. Hey everybody, welcome back to the channel, and this week we are talking about the long-term impact of the Russia and Ukraine war going on right now. In many aspects, we can actually compare what's going on right now to the 1998 Russian debt crisis or financial crisis. And this is because of a variety of factors that we'll cover in today's video. Similarities can be drawn from the fact that both were initiated by Russia, that is the 1998 crisis and the 2022 war, and the economic ramifications worsened through the cost of war and that of weapons. This has cost the Russian economy dearly back in 1998, and war has led to sanctions now in 2022 as well, which is harming them economically. So let's take a look at the 1998 Russian debt default and financial crisis to get a better understanding. Russia's war with Chechnya in 1998 initiated the economic meltdown and this was mainly because of the war cost, which was approximately 1.4% of the annual Russian GDP for 1998. This is huge. Except the war, and likely caused by it, Russia's debt default occurred due to three prominent factors in the economy at the time. The first was a fixed exchange rate regime, and we'll talk more about this, a large government deficit or debt, and government corruption. The effect on the economy was further magnified with the onset of the 1998 Asian financial crisis, and of course this didn't help anything. In reaction to this, Russia hiked interest rates on its government bonds, also called GKOs, to 150% per year. This means they made 150% per year if they invested in this. And this was done to attract investors and to raise debt funding for the government. At the time, there was a narrow band within which the exchange rate between the ruble and US dollar was allowed to fluctuate, and it was pegged in this way, called a fixed exchange rate. Now along with this, many short-term government bonds of the Russian central bank were converted to long-term euro bonds, and this was done in order to stabilize the Russian economy by moving them to more trustworthy bonds and debt instruments. To stabilize the ruble, however, which is the Russian currency, when the exchange rate exceeded the upper limit of the band, Russia would buy rubles in exchange for US dollars, and if it fell below the lower limit of the band, Russia would sell rubles. Now this band was kept between within three or four rubles per US dollar. So through these open market operations, it kept the currency relatively stable for that time. The economic reforms created a lack of investor confidence, which created a bank run situation, which we've covered before, 
but on Russia's central bank instead of a commercial bank. The sale of Russian assets and currency further depreciated the ruble. Now, as you can see, it became a vicious cycle where any measure taken by the central bank to save the ruble actually signaled less confidence in the economy and further eroded the confidence of investors, which again depreciated the currency. Russia's central bank spent almost $27 billion in a time period of less than a year to maintain the floating exchange rate peg. Now, despite its best efforts, the default on domestic debt by Russia's central bank occurred on August 17, 1998. Now, what this meant was that the central bank could no longer meet interest obligations to government bondholders, meaning they couldn't pay the interest to the investors. The exchange rate band was also expanded as a result, since it couldn't be maintained any longer. And as a result of all of this, investors took a huge hit since all the Russian government debt was restructured into new securities. Uh, this also means that all ruble-denominated debt had to be restructured. This was a huge feat. Russia agreed to let the ruble float freely after the debt default efficiently abandoning the fixed exchange rate system and even that band that was partially floating. This is similar to the Bretton Woods system for fixed exchange rates. And if you know anything about this, it's a system of fixed exchange rates for North America and other areas that didn't end up working out. By September 1998, which was less than a month later, the exchange rate, now freely fluctuating, went from 7 to 21 rubles per US dollar. And this is the exchange rate there. This means it was only worth one third of what it was a month earlier. And during the 1998 crisis, many large Russian banks closed their doors and shut down. And inflation peaked at 84% in 1998. Compare this to the 6.8 in the US this past year. The rebound from the crisis was rather astounding, catalyzed by both Russian oil prices, rising oil prices, which for Russia was the world's large, second largest exporter, which allowed for large profit margins as well as the food processing industry that benefited from the depreciated currency for exporting purposes. Now, the Russian invasion of Ukraine draws many similarities with the 1998 Russian financial crisis. So now we'll take a look at exactly how this is true. The first comparison that we can draw between the two cases is that both of Russia's economic distress was initiated by acts of war. And we've touched on this before. Another similarity is the rapid depreciation of the ruble, which as of now is still free floating in 2022. So the ability for it to move more freely than it did in 1998 means depreciation is likely to be much more drastic and inflation is likely to be much higher because it's not maintained at a certain exchange rate. So the exchange rate was sitting at roughly 75 rubles per US dollar at the start of February, but since then it's fallen to over 140 rubles per US dollar. As we thought that would be the case, inflation is much more severe than in 1998. There was already been more than 100% inflation in just over one month, which is insane. 
which means your money would only be half as much as it was at the start of February. Russia's financial system is also in peril, much like in 1998. But in this instance, it wasn't the debt markets, but rather that Russia was actually fully cut off from the global financial system as punishment for their actions against Ukraine. It's been this way for more than two weeks already, and there's no end in sight as of right now. This time, it isn't just debt markets, but the entire financial system that is at risk. A recession will very likely ensue for Russia over the next few quarters, and it may even turn into a depression if it's longer than that. So now we can talk about exactly how the sanctions were implemented and what it's done to commodity prices. The main economic indicator since the war started between Russia and Ukraine has been the price of energy, which has made global headlines. Specifically, the price of oil has shot up to well over $120 per barrel this past week, which has spiked gas prices at the pump all over the globe. And this also includes natural gas as well. Because of this, the cost of living in many countries has already risen considerably. It is because Europe or Russia is the second largest oil exporter and services most of Europe and Asia with natural gas. Ukraine's situation, on the other hand, is also quite horrific. Analysts predict that an annualized GDP decline of up to 60% could be in the books if the conflict continues into 2022. The economic sanctions that were imposed on Russia earlier last week and the Central Bank of Russia have halted all financial transactions to and from Russia and has disabled their ability to buy and sell rubles on the open market to stabilize the currency. Again, this looks a lot like 1998, where they were unable to do this. This means it will be very tough for Russia to combat inflationary pressures, and all they have left to work with is the interest rates. Like in 1998, we're starting to see the equivalent of bank runs on the central bank as investors scramble to cash in their holdings before they're worth nothing in the eyes of Russia and the globe. Now the only line of defense Russia has against inflation, as mentioned earlier, is to massively hike interest rates. But if this is done, the effects on credit and the domestic economy as a whole would be quite horrific as well. It's worth noting that many products, services, and sales have been halted within Russia as a side effect of the sanctions and the cutoff from the global economy. For example, companies like Apple and IKEA have halted all retail sales in Russia. Shell and BP, or British Petroleum, have stopped the sale of fuel at their gas stations. And Visa and MasterCard are no longer operating at terminals for payments. Additionally, systems such as the Apple App Store, Google Play Store, as well as PayPal have all been suspended and are no longer operating in Russia. Sanctions are expected to tank Russian GDP by 8% this year, meaning there is negative 8% GDP growth predicted for 2022, which is comparable to both the 1998 financial crisis in Russia and the 2008 housing market crisis in the United States 
Without a doubt, there will be a long period of depressed growth for Russia, which will ease when sanctions are lifted. However, it's still not certain how long they will remain in effect. It may be a while if the punishment is severe enough, if decided by the West. So let's hope for some peace here in the near future. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to leave a five-star rating on here. It means a lot to me. And make sure to write a little review, either what we can improve or what you liked. That helps us out a bunch. I'll see you guys next time.